This morning, I walked outside in shorts and a tank top, and it was too cold. Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm Fun. And I'm in a bun. <laughs> this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the standardized scapler. Uh, so, gentlemen, how are we? What's everyone been up to? Al, because you're taking a drink out of a Boston shaker rather than a glass. Well spotted, Steve. The yeah, correct type of cocktail shaker. Yes, exactly. Um, although I don't know where the glass is, but obviously any any pint glass will do, as yeah. uh, Kylie and Jason once said. Um, <laughs> Brent's, Brent's face says it all. Um, what have I been up to? Uh, so this week I decided enough is enough and I turned to the dark side and I built a PC um, because I've been relying too heavily on the California um, designed bollocks that is Apple um, for too long and the work basically I'm I'm using my work computer for a lot of a lot of stuff and there's limitations and I don't have uh, admin rights and things like that so I thought it's time to to grow up yeah. and be a big boy and build yeah. a PC. And it's really fun. I can see why people get yeah. into that kind of thing. It's I've always, well, I've, I've, I've not I've not had a PC for, I don't know, 15 years. Um, so making one's probably been 20 years. Yeah. And back then it was like beige case, <laughs> uh, you know, everything on the one motherboard. The motherboard was essentially the computer. Yeah. Uh, apart from if you needed like a SCSI card to, to attach the, the scanner or something like that. Yeah. Um, but this was a, an absolute dream. There's just everything tailor-made, suit your budget. Yeah. Um, and, like, the design of everything is completely changed. Everything looks like space rockets and is really cool <laughs> and not, like, tacky anymore. So, right. yeah, um, that was fun. But then also that meant that I need to completely rethink my, um, my, my workstation and my kind of home office thing. Yeah. Um, because I've been I've been having this laptop and a tiny little desk, uh, but it's just not fit for purpose anymore. So I've built out a whole new table, uh, a new stand for the rig, um, and like places for the monitor and stuff. So it's basically like a a home office redo. Yay! Nice. Mm. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I got to have a little sneak peek at the uh, the gubbins that was going into the PC, mm. and I am mighty mighty jealous. Um, well, it's 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 one of them where it's obviously you know it's going to be editing heavy, yeah. lots of After Effects. Um, I'm getting into like um, animate and obviously like Premiere and stuff for videos. Yeah, which isn't crazy. It's not like a lot of 3D, um, but you know you, it's really RAM heavy, RAM intensive, yeah. um, and you can get some GPU acceleration. Yeah. So I just thought, why not get something half decent? Yeah, definitely. That you know can be upgradable. The yeah. the the a word that has not existed in in Apple's uh, <laughs> lingo for the past sort of five years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get something that's decent now. But I can always ramp shit up if if I, I realize I need more. Yeah. Right. If nice. I look back, you know, in a year's time. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, oh yeah, I, I just I got what you just did there. You're um, the only one, Steve. There we go. Uh, Brett, what about you? I have been finishing a few products, products, projects for 
the main channel with the idea that I can give myself some free time to work on the cabin. Um, I'm also working on a little project uh, that Ben started the other day or came up with the other day, which is a cool little seating, outdoor seating solution with some LED uh, solar lights and mesh. Uh, sorry, expanded mesh, expanded steel. Hmm. That will be you, what? What? Say that. Say that again. Yeah. So <laughs> the idea was have outdoor furniture. Use the expanded mesh that he is using on a couple of other projects, and yeah. he's become kind of fascinated with it. Or neither of us had really worked with it before, and we we're like, "Oh, I wonder what you could do with expanded mesh because it's relatively it's just... easy to work with." Yeah. And you can bend it and do all kinds of silly shit with it. Yeah. Um, and so we had a discussion just sitting around the fire the other night. It was just like, well, what if it looked like this? Or could you make a cube and then have a light in the middle of it diffused uh, so that nice. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know where the seat is? It has It's kind of a lighting feature when it's not being used. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm, I imagine that the lighting pattern that it you know spits out and then goes yeah. through the expanded mesh is probably going to look pretty cool. Yeah. So nice. he was like, yeah, make a cube. And then it was like, oh, and then how about a cylinder to do something a little different? And then I was like, and then how about the the level three one? I'll do like a hexagon or, or some kind of complex yeah. shape. Um, that has started. I got the cube done um, and taught me a lot <laughs> about the material. So uh, yeah. I'll be moving on that. But um, for the main the main workload... I got the video posted with the forge hood and simple mm -hmm. anvil stand and had enough people messaging me through Instagram and stuff just going, wait, I thought you built another anvil stand. <laughs> yes, I did. I would like to put that in its own video because I'm quite proud of it. And I, I think there's some problem solving and fabrication solutions that I came up with that kind of deserve their own little video. So I think I'm going to try and produce that and in a fantastic change of my schedule, I think I'm going to try and post a video next weekend. So only Ooh. one week between Ooh. videos. Um, and I still have the flatter video to finish. It's it's mostly done. I just have to use the damn thing uh, and film some little beauty shots. So I may just go back to back to back on videos, which I'm I'm excited about. I haven't done that in a very long time. Um, but that gets me uh, the free time to start cleaning up the to-do list, which has grown way too long, um, but includes some of the starter projects for the house or for the cabin, which is like a little table, maybe the wardrobe, so I can get my clothes out of a bag on the floor and get them hung up. Um, I'm working out the details on the kitchenette or at least starting to, you know, develop the ideas of how that thing's going to get put together. It's going to be a long project for me, having never done it before, but uh, I'm well excited to get a few bigger pieces started yeah. for the cabin and actually put videos on the Forge Tome channel. Nice. Um, other than that, I think it's just, um, yeah, finishing up projects and, realizing that i'm i'm better than i used to be very nice cool um 
Yeah, no, the mucking around with the expanded mesh stuff. That's I I've got a load of sheets of it that um I inherited years ago. And it's really, really I love cutting it because it's such a nice thing to cut because it's just like so fast. Yeah. Um but yeah, at the same time, it's also a complete shit because once you've cut it and you try and move it, and then all of a sudden you're bleeding from like 16 different places. Well, um, and I love how much tension and stress it's put under, obviously, in yeah. the manufacturing <laughs> of it to where like I cut one edge when it was the material was flat. I cut this one edge off and the whole thing just banana peeled like really hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I genuinely I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do with that because I've I've had some kind of ideas of doing um uh like garden furniture from the expanded mesh before, but not such seating, more kind of uh like uh things for plants to grow up and around sort of thing yeah um, absolutely i'm and i think there's more potential for projects in the future because i've never yeah. worked with it before and now i'm starting to realize that uh, not sheet steel like yeah. solid sheet steel it it is not only more malleable but it has a design feature built into it with yeah. the the pattern and everything so yeah definitely it's, an interesting project to work on with him because I feel like it's going to end up feeding into something I do in the future. Yeah. Thanks. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah and I think, Oh, and I'm the... finishing that damn job box, the big steel <laughs> job box, the solar panel job box. Yeah. Like we finally, we were waiting on a product oh. from flex seal. Who's, who's kind of like sponsoring the product or the project. Um, there was a very specific product that they just came out with this like adhesive and, that's the only thing we were waiting on. And we're only using it on like one little aspect of it, but the whole project is like, that has to go into it. So we were waiting on that. Um, but that should be good. Uh, it's a really cool idea. Yeah. I love the idea of this like on-site job box where you keep all your tools and then they're charging while you're working That's because nice. there's a solar yeah. panel on it. It's pretty brilliant. Anyway, um, that is it for me, I believe. Nice. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm... I'm really liking the uh, the idea of incorporating uh, lights into it as well. And I guess because you've got the access to the solar lights and that as well, there is definitely things that you could do. Oh, see, I'm... Well, and I mean, you think about... I'm making it, designs about... in my head now. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. fucking cool. These little solar lights, the part that is most intriguing to me is not the structure that's being built out of the mesh or the expanded steel. It's the the light. Because the idea was that Ben has boxes of these LED lights from the big box store you know that you just yeah. stake them in the ground solar chargers on top yeah, yeah. and it's got a single little led inside so the only thing you need to do to modify or create your own unique light yeah is the solar thing and the led yeah just other than that you could take everything else apart and then yeah. figure out some new kind of fabrication so i want to yeah. try to find a solution where if you know these lights that i'm referring to they yeah, just yeah. have that like single uh, positive stop screw top thing. Yeah. And there's a, a female and a male. And if you just cut one of those sides off and then use it and attach something completely different, like think of attaching a mason jar underneath it. Yeah. And scotch brighting the mason jar so it's <laughs> diffused. You're yeah. like, that was a $5 solution that took a, a $10 pack of lights that look very not unique and are made out of plastic and then mm -hmm. suddenly take it into this yeah it's a little crafty and diy but 
the only problem slash solution is I want the light to look better. So, okay, well, what can you do for like a couple of dollars to make it look a little bit more thought out? The the thing that I really want to do, because I've um I've had it in my head an idea because um here are like the the house name sign uh has it's been overgrown it's shitty it's made out of wood and doesn't really work very well it's hard to see um so for sorry one one (laughs) yeah it's just number one Oh, uh, no, sorry. Um, no, as in uh, Goose Acre Court, as in the one for all, right. all the plaque. Um, so, yeah. Um, so uh, for the last couple of years, I've been saying I want to get a couple of those lights, take them apart, and then get like a uh, just water jet cut Goose Acre Court um, and build a little box, have Ooh, nice. solar panels on top so at night it lights up and you can mm-hmm. see where we are. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I really like the idea of uh, playing around with that a little bit um with the expanded yeah that's that's very cool i'm excited to see that yeah um, it's gonna be good what have i been up to i i've had a big fucking tidy up in the house Ooh. um <laughs> which has been uh long overdue um but just kind of sorting shit out making um mostly making the desk area and this room um a bit cleaner and tidier because it it just it became kind of a dumping ground because it wasn't the room that we used very often. Um, mm-hmm. So it just it had this habit of, I don't know where this goes. I'll just chuck it in that room and we'll leave it there. Um, and like, because we're, when COVID hit, we were halfway through doing um, like redecorating the bedroom and sorting out in here. And it was like everything relied on everything else. And then with not being able to get any materials and not having any work, so not having any money, like everything just like compacted and fuck we were left in this shit state there's no storage so everything's just in boxes on the floor and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and it just got left like that for ages but because i'm in here now uh more often like i'm i'm having to work in here at least a couple days a week um doing the the videos and stuff like that um i was like actually this is it's worth spending a day to just sort all this shit out um and that coupled with the fact that uh, this week is the first time I've had a uh, a paycheck come in that's actually been a semi decent amount of money. As in, like I've not had to pay Alex back any um, any excess stuff or anything like that. So I've had I've had enough money that it's come in, and it's I mean it's not taken me out of the red, but it's meant that I can go. Oh, I can actually buy some things other than milk and water, sort of thing. Okay. Um, uh, sorry, milk and bread. And uh, I was like, fucking great. Right. Okay. So I've, I went off and I ordered a load of stuff, just simple DIY bits um, and stuff to kind of help get this room and uh, the rest of the house sorted. Um, so that was good. That kind of like spurred me on uh, productivity wise. Um, but the other thing that's been spurring me on is um, an excessive amount of coffee because mm. we made a coffee scoop and it's really, really fucking pretty. Oh, they're uh, so nice. It's super nice. Yeah. So the next video is about making the coffee scoop, and it's it's using that um that sketching in steel kind of tagline that we uh that we had, where we're gonna be talking a little bit more about um kind of the design process because this is something that 
we had an idea in our head of what we wanted to do, um, but we didn't have any tooling or anything for it. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we had to make the swage blocks and then we had to um, dish out the um, copper discs and, and all of this and kind of doing it or filming it as we were doing it. Um, and, uh, and then the next day went uh, to uh, my friend Sean's place um, who runs Broad Oak, uh product coffee roasters which is not too far from here um and filmed a load of uh stuff there got some audio from him talking about how he makes coffee why he makes coffee um like what got him into it and and all of this sort of stuff so we're going to be able to add that into the next video as well which is really nice because it's kind of showing this expansion on where we started and the fact that we're going to be able to linking with the other crafts and it's it's weirdly um like there's a lot of little things in it that actually relate back to to blacksmithing and stuff as well Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's been super cool super fun uh and then today um so i had yesterday off and again was doing like houseworky bits uh but this morning i went into the workshop because nobody else is there and actually finally finally got to sharpen the sloids that i've been working on for the last fucking god knows how long <laughs> um so i can finally put them up for the patreons to buy um which is good but um it, it's this weird thing of i was thinking about it when i was doing it like um there's if i'd looked at these knives um a year two years ago i'd have been fucking madly impressed I'm like, these are fucking brilliant these are great i look at them now and all i can see is all of the little the defects and go oh, this isn't right that isn't right oh, this. and um and i was thinking about like how um the those kind of standards that you um used to have are constantly moving so you know one of the first um bottle openers i made i was really happy with Oh, sorry. One of the first bottle openers I made that I was really happy with, I look at now and think that's fucking awful, and um, and yet things that I look at now and go, this is this is terrible. Like the the Sloyds, um, I'm looking at it and going, that that's that's awful. Why why what the fuck am I doing producing this kind of shit and wanting to throw it away? Yet even six months ago, I still would have been happy with that. Um, I think it's 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 a weird thing how these these standards constantly shift, and it's 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 a good thing because you know that's how we improve, that's how we get better. But it also means that now these sloids, I'm in two minds as to whether or not I even give it to uh, offer them to um, to sell because I'm not happy with the outcome. Um, and it, it, I think for me as well, it's even a more bizarre because obviously I I make stuff that gets sold for a living. That's that's what I do. That's my job. So I make stuff for Al. Um, I make it to a certain standard. And if it's not good enough, then he's there going, no, actually, this is shit. I can't sell this. Do it better. Um, whereas with my own stuff, all I can see is the flaws. All I can see is, oh, this bit's not right. And that grind isn't right here. And, and yada, yada, yada. Um, and, uh, and it's knowing what what actually is good enough like are my standards too high for the quality of work i'm actually able to produce or you know are my skill levels just not good enough yet do i need to keep going before i can think about selling these things um and 
and I think it it was because I was as I was doing this, I was thinking about how much I fucking hate grinding because the <laughs> the forge side of it, it's fine. Like the the forge finish on it, yeah, perfect, great. I'm happy with that. But it's the grinding, and it's because the grinding is something that I just I haven't had a huge amount of experience with. It's something that I need to spend more time doing. Um, and you know these these sloids were essentially practice pieces practice pieces for a project that's coming up soon um where i need to make a, a few more but i really want to make sure that they are absolutely spot on perfect because i i don't want to have to to make them all all over again because it's going to be a case of you know forging out a laminate billet and, and doing all of that um and so i was like right well i'll definitely do this practice you know i'm not i'm not that bad at grinding but i could definitely do with some practice and then I say, look, looking at it now, going, oh, that's fucking. I'm, I'm shit at grinding, but I, I, I don't know if it's the fact that actually I'm, I'm not very good, or whether I'm just comparing it to someone like Joe. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's very difficult working with two people that are extremely good at what they do because it means I'm constantly comparing what I do to, um, to them. So I'm not just comparing to myself a year ago. I'm comparing to them now, even though I know they're that much further on than me sort of thing if that makes sense it does yeah. but like by that logic you'll never be satisfied because in a year's time you'll look back at the things you're doing now and go oh god they're awful and then in yeah. a year's time you know what i mean so there's the, it it's a fallacy to to to, to kind of compare the two yeah because it's twofold as well it's your standards have improved but also your skill sets improved yeah. So it's like it's it's twice as bad. Bad in inverted commas. It's not bad, but you know the 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 improvement to your skill set and uh, the improvement to your product. Sorry, mm. is is under scrutiny from two sides. It's your your taste has improved and your knowledge yeah. has improved as well as your skills to in order to make a better product. Yeah. But it's it's going to keep doing it. I bet, I bet Alex says the same thing. Oh God! Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the amount of times that Al's picked up a, a beautiful piece of work and going, yeah, yeah, this is shit. And I'm going, what are you talking about? That's fucking perfect. Um, but then, I don't know. It, I, I think it's a hard one for me because it's, you know, that that's, that's something that I, I want to do. I, I don't ever want to be satisfied with the work that I'm doing. I don't ever want it to be, oh, this is good enough. I always want to be looking at you going, yeah, uh, yeah. This this isn't quite right. That like that's, you know, that's part of the the beauty of doing something like this. The fact that to to become very good at it, you need mm. to recognize those flaws. It's just when does when is that getting in my own way? Is in like should I be looking at these going? Actually, no, I shouldn't be selling them yet because they're not good enough. Or should I be going? No, these these are good enough. These are good enough. Uh, like these are ten times better than you know what I would have done six uh six months ago or you know even to the point of going well actually i know that these are better than that person over there that's that's selling them for you know 50 quid a pop because they think they can like i know that that it's better than that but do i want to put these out it's it's finding that um that balance between uh striving to be better and being able to actually sell my wares rather than always going like no yeah, exactly well you, it's you like, can't have this it's not good enough the, the, the hungry artist syndrome you know what i mean it's if, if yeah if that's your idea you're never gonna 
you're never going to sell anything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's, I think there's merit in it because I do, I like. I'm, I'm the same. I, I, I look back and things and go, oh god, I could have done that differently. If I, you know, I, but I just wanted to get it out. I wanted to get it done. Yeah. Or I had to get it done. You know, it was a deadline. Yeah. And, and you, 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 otherwise, things go on forever. Um, but I do like. I, I think there's a flip side to this, and and having closure on something and being able to look back on it is really valuable. Yeah. So if you if you'd have made fantastic knives a year ago, by you know, through chance or, uh, you know, skill or practice or whatever, yeah, you won't have had that learning experience this year. So yeah. I, th- I think there's great value in in, in things not being as good <laughs> a year ago because <laughs> <laughs> it gives you a chance to, to look back and, and reflection. I think that's really important. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose that it's, yeah, because I, th- I think it's always going to be, uh, it's that whole thing of, you know, you learn more from mistakes than you ever do from a success. Yeah. Um, and I'm, 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 I think half the reason why I'm a, a good teacher is because I've made so many mistakes with, with blacksmithing. Like, so I know, I know what to expect from the students and I know I can kind of relay that to them. Um, but it's, it's that thing of like, well, when do I say actually, yes, this isn't perfect, but this is, this is of a, a good enough standard that I can sell it. Which, like I say, is is ridiculous for me to be saying that because I make stuff that's sold all the time. Anyway, it's yeah, it's my own standards I'm fighting with. Mm. If that makes sense, it is. But you know, like like you said, there's there's also a community of other people doing similar things. Yeah, and similar price points as well. So you know, it's it's their standards. It's also the, the your your customers' standards. Yeah, like I, I I don't care if nobody likes my youtube videos <laughs> because i'm not selling them yeah you know what i mean so it's like if if yes of course i could improve them yes i wish things could be done differently but i'm not relying on it yeah at the moment for a paycheck so yeah i think i think one of go on brett sorry uh i just think it's really difficult to have that internal battle where clearly based on what we do we we want to create things or make things and have that be financially supportive of whatever our lifestyle choice is mm-hmm. to know that the the part of the creative or the artistic mind is like well i don't want anybody to see it unless it's the best right or the final thing or it's the yeah, best yeah. that i've done so far um not being able to like the the discomfort that comes with wanting to produce work and get better so that you could possibly sell those things comes with the price of well i guess i need the experience by making the thing so what i'll spend the next 5 years just making stuff and never selling it or never showing it off to anybody yeah like that's not acceptable by anybody's standards maybe you could talk about it from the perspective of an apprentice you know you're going to spend five years learning how to do nails and just making amazing nails you know back back when that may be acceptable but by standards today like we all have to support ourselves like pay rent or pay bills or whatever Mm. so to know that you're constantly battling with i want to produce good things that i deem worthy of sale yeah but I also can't progress past those 
unless I make stuff to get better at <laughs> so that I can be better in the end. Right. It's just, yeah. it's so cyclical, but it's a lot of self-deprecation. You want to yeah. be the best out there. You can't get to that unless you put in the work. Yeah. So how I, long do you expect to not sell anything or not show anything before you get to that point? Yeah. And I, I don't even think it's, it's about being, um, the best out there. I think it's no, just about you're right, you're right. Find, finding that um, that kind of happy place where actually, you know, I'm happy my work is of a standard where I feel I can call myself a, a welder, a, a blacksmith, a knife maker, a carpenter, or whatever. Um, like, and because I, I think this is something that a, a lot of people are going to suffer with. It's obviously, it's not just the imposter syndrome. But it's also that whole thing of the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Like, hmm. yeah, it's it's really like sticking with knife making for a bit because that's what I've been doing. It would be really easy to, you know, have no knife making experience other than seeing other people make knives and go, right, I've got a, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a really nice two by 72 grinder. And that makes me a knife maker. Suddenly I, I can make <laughs> Dear half the internet. Yeah. <laughs> like, and and it's that thing of well, when you're when you don't know, then yes, it, that feels like it is. Whereas, um, you know, you get a little bit further down the line, and it's like, right, okay, well, actually, that that's not what it is. And realizing that, again, the best way to put it is is the more you know, the more you understand things, the more you more experience you get, the more you realize you don't know it. Like, I um, I can remember the first few times I. I ground any knives um, with a belt grinder um, and they were fucking awful. But through learning things and through that experience of fucking those things up and through um, like speaking to people like Joe, like Jeff, like all of the knife makers that um, we all interact with, like it's um, it's that realization of like, Oh, okay. So I, I didn't realize that you had to do that thing. And I didn't realize that was for that. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. And then going, oh, so why is that there? And why is this here? And what, why do you do it like this? Like there's, for every question you get answered, there's always five more questions that suddenly spring up. And it's these things that you don't think about um, beforehand because you don't have that, um, you don't have that basic understanding to uh, expand on it, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and I think that it's, yeah it's just a it's a weird weird thing and i think it, it does, it's just exponentially gets worse but i think you it's really hard to kind of have that um like when when is it good enough to sell this thing because let's say when when you're first starting out you nail two bits of wood together and go oh i've made a squirrel picnic table and it's brilliant it's the best thing ever but then you look at it two years later and you go, I can't believe I sold that. Like I, there are pieces out there that I have um, sold to friends that I genuinely cringe that they have them now. Um, and that's like, and that's to the point where actually like there's, there's stuff that I make now that I won't, I won't sell because I'm not happy with it. Um, but am I just being a fucking idiot? Like, because again, yes. that co- <laughs> yeah, but then that, that comes down to price. Like, I would feel bad charging someone um, the the price I would need to charge to to make something profitable when, in a year's time, for the same price, I could make them something ten times as better. Like, do, do you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. 
it's really it's hard. Yeah, because you don't want to you don't want to rip people off, but at the same time, yeah, you you need to sell stuff to be able to to carry on making stuff. I mean, Brett, I'd love to get your take on it in terms of like you setting up things for your life. You know what I mean? You're building your house and yeah, making things from scratch. It's kind of like your your first, not your one and only chance, but like your first, your real good chance to to make that thing or to make the tool or to make the the furniture. You know, so it's just like a different take on it. It's not like Steve's where he's reliant on it. So I'm just wondering what your what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, that's where my head was going as well while Steve was chatting because I am confident enough in my abilities nowadays that these projects don't um, intimidate me, right? Like the kitchenette build out is just a lot of pieces and there's a lot of, I have to work within constraints or where the power outlets that exist now they're, they're just constraints, but it's, it's just construction. I know how to build things. Yeah. (laughs) A kitchen turns out a kitchen is really just a series of tables. I've built a lot of those. (laughs) Um, Some tables are very small, but I'm, holding myself to a standard and as much as I could be producing, like I could probably knock a bed together relatively quick, like build a box, put plywood over the top mattress. There's a bed. I am capable of doing something like that, but I am at the same time capable of doing something better and something that I will, I will feel more uh, not only confident in, but, you know, I'll be proud of the problem solving that went into it or the final aesthetic or how well it fits in the space. Um, It's a difficult challenge for me though, because I am so, I get so internally spun around uh, with time. It's, it's all time allotment, right? I, I would love to be able to work a full day over there and even though i don't have power it's like maybe just to be able to have a bed i could pass out because it's cool enough at night you know (laughs) i could just sleep over there um there are aspects of of like well just just get something done get anything done that helps you progress but in my mind certain projects i've i've gotten over that right so what we were talking about five minutes ago like how many tables do i have to build before i feel confident building a kitchen which yeah. is basically a table it's like at this point i do feel like i've built enough of them where <laughs> whatever i build for this cabin needs to be like mostly permanent yeah in terms of like i'm not going to look at it and go oh you know i really wish i could have done this different or maybe i'll change this or the hinges i don't like this hinge thing like no i know enough and i'm aware of enough of the materials that i want to use and the aesthetic that i want to achieve that I want to fucking nail this and I want to be proud of it at the end. I don't want to have a lot of questions afterwards to go, Oh, you know, I didn't do that as well as I wanted to, but (laughs) but that's okay. I haven't built a lot of kitchens. No, it has nothing to do with kitchen. This is a series of boxes and like a lot of material that I've used before on smaller aspects. It's just combining them all together. So me being able to prove that I've learned enough over the last, however many years I've been doing this shit, um, it, it's, it's not a question of, can I, it's a question of how well, yeah. What is the quality by the end of it? And that is a, that is a conundrum. I think, I think it's what, what's really interesting is you, you say like the tables and you know, you've, you've built a, a 
the Franken table, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, all the way up to a, um, a, a cast iron forge table. You know, it's like it, it changes each time. So the things you learn as you go yeah. are just adding to that skill set. Like, and the, the table thing as well. I made a table yesterday for the for the computer, and it's completely different to the coffee table that I made, which is completely different to the hack bench, which is I made. And each of those things are slowly adding to my repertoire to a point where I'm like almost doing joinery now. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's not just uh, glue and screw butt joints. You know, there's actually right. some thought going into it because I understand. I, the thing is, I understand now. I understand why talk works in a certain way and why yeah. the forces that are applied to something will make it bend. You know, like the the the, the door thing, Brett, on your workshop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Right. Full disclosure, I did not know that was a thing at all. I just <laughs> totally made that up and said it to you instinctively based on my experience. Right. It turns out it is a thing and you are supposed to totally <laughs> yeah. hang it all yeah. And you were verified you were verified without even asking by inside Allen. Yeah. So there you go. Like, but but I, didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. I I was just like spitballing to you because I had learned something from my experience. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, maybe next time I'll do it, I'll make a door differently, or I will, you know, bolster it in a different way. I'll think about things differently. Um, but I think what's interesting from your perspective, Steve, is you might be making something very specific. Mm. So, like a slide knife that's made in a very specific way, or the tang is, you know, traditional or something, or you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. this is how you're meant to do it, and I just need to get better at it. Yeah. Not, I need to rethink how I'm making these knives. It might be more actually, I need to rethink how I'm standing or how I'm holding my hammer or yeah. how hot it is. You know, so your 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 improvement is the minutia, whereas mm. I think mine is like, oh, I'm going to use metal instead of wood, or I'm going <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, I'm going to actuate it mechanically instead of pneumatically. Yeah. yeah. So that, and and not that. <clears throat> either of those is better than the other i think oh, there's very different very different approaches to improvement and yeah standard yeah i mean like the 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 best way i can think of um like comparing that is if you were to put the three of us in a workshop and you gave us a lump of steel and an hour and said right make an axe i'm fairly confident i would get further along than you guys just because i've got that much more experience with making an axe but if you put us in the same workshop and said, right, make a hinged, double hinged cantilevered toolbox, I'd still be there scratching my head while you guys had like a fully functional fucking toolbox there. Like it's, it's, it's that different kind of thing. I think you, I think you underestimate how low my standards of what my axe would look like are, too. <laughs> Just tie it to the end of a stick. You want, you want an axe? I'll get you an axe by two o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I, like, I, I think like it's, I think what um uh what Brett was saying was was brilliant like it's it's the confidence to know that actually yes I can make a thing it's just to to what standard like is that thing then going to be um you know is that something that I'm going to be proud of and I'm going to say actually yeah this has got everything in it I want or is this going to be something where I go uh actually yeah. I wish I'd done this I wish I'd done that or, or you know and and again, there's that difference between like there, there are plenty of things that I'm happy to make for me. Um, 
in my house, in my workshop, in my pocket, whatever. Mm. But then to have the confidence to then sell that on to someone else, I think that's where it's um, that's where that's where the the trickiness comes in for me. Yeah, right. So what's going through my mind is is there an argument to be had between the quality control you put on yourself versus the quality control that you put on the products that you're giving out to other people? Like does one outweigh the other? Because I feel like most of us could get away with saying, you know, I I need a quick workbench or whatever. You make it out of some two by fours. It's complete garbage, but there isn't really much for quality control in that. You just, you needed a thing you executed properly. But when it comes to the things I'm going to be putting in this cabin, where does my quality control get, where is my quality control gauge at that point? Because not only do I want to create videos and be able to show people the things that I'm making, it's, it's not because I'm a professional. It's because I think I have a different approach. I'd like to share it. And I also think the aesthetic is atypical for the, the YouTube space at the moment. So I want to get to that end goal and be able to show people like, do you see what I did with relatively minimal tools a decent amount of knowledge, small space, like restrictions, you know, benefits and negatives that I have, whatever. Just wrapping that all into one, being able to show something off at the end and go, what do you think? I have to live with that yeah. thing that I yeah. made. So I have to be confident that I'm going to like it and it's going to function properly. But also for the sake of what I want to do, which is create things, share them on YouTube and hopefully get to you know a financially stable point because of it hmm. that means that what i produce on camera yeah there's editing tricks and shit that i can overlook but that has to play well to the audience and actually hopefully invigorate some people and go wow that looks amazing because i watched every step that that guy took to get there i think i can do it so i have to have quality standards set up for myself knowing that I live with that thing but I also have to have the quality standards to know that people are going to watch it hopefully and put it in the I like that it's good yeah. category yeah. 100% like building film at Alal, there's so many corners I could have cut <laughs> both figuratively and literally um, and still ended up with the same end, same looking end product yeah. So if it was just a money shot, I absolutely would not have gone through the, the rigmarole and the, the the standards and the um, the effort because I could have met. You know, I joked about it could have just been made out of foam and painted it metal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want it to be. I want it to be. I want it to be done proper, properly. Um, and the fact that to your point, Brett, people are watching the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, and the process was 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 the was the build the process was the story not the thing at the end yeah it was it was about getting it getting there so i think the more the more like you 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 and the forge steve tell the story of what you guys make i think it's more even more important hmm. you know you're not just getting these things pre-pressed and pre-cut yeah frying pans withstanding um <laughs> you the, the the process is the bit that adds the value and that is why people want to spend the money and that is why the craft is important. So yeah, I think Brett's point of like, who's watching, you know, that, that, that massively increases the judgment criteria. 
Yeah. I mean, I think like uh, I'm possibly a little bit jaded because I've seen some um some projects, some video projects and things like that where I know that six months down the line that that random thing that they made that they you know got a bajillion views or whatever um actually isn't getting used and it's fallen apart and they they made it just because they knew it would do well on the video you mean Um, the television show pimp my ride (laughs) (laughs) yes um but you know like i i think um i think in brett's example that's uh actually a very good point because like you say it's that that product is it's two products in one. The first one is the video. The mm. second one is the thing that he has to live with. But I think um, far too often in YouTube land, that second thing doesn't necessarily exist. It's it's just the video. Um, so I think watching Brett's vi- builds for the Forged Home channel, I think is going to be that much more interesting because they're going to be things that he actually has to live with. It's not just, ah, oh, I'm going to make this thing and then it's going to sit in a corner and never get used until I need to take it apart for bits for another project. Um, but like, I mean, it's, and I, I think one of the things with that is, yes, there's a lot of people out on YouTube that are just doing uh, things that like Brett said, like they're not um, professionals. They're just, they're people with a bit of experience doing these things and, and showing you how to do it. Um, and again, coming back to the knife example, like there are, it's so easy to make something sharp, like making something sharp and pointy, <laughs> making it so that it will shave a bit of hair off. It's a piece of piss. I can do it with a fucking angle grinder in a vice. Like it, it's not the most difficult thing I've in the world. I've seen it. I've seen it. But to make something that's got, good blade geometry that cuts really nicely that that slices your aubergine in exactly the <laughs> right way <laughs> um and or cuts like, through your cutting mat <laughs> yeah like ma- making something that actually functions the way it's supposed to work is and doing it for more than just the final uh, shots on a on a video i think that's that's the important thing and that's where that um that understanding comes in because like, let's say two years ago, if I'd have made something that I could have shaved my arm with, I'd have been over the fucking moon. (laughs) Now I'm like, yeah, it's a piece of piss to do that. It's making sure that it actually works right. Like, I mean, fucking if Roy from vintage Axe works can do it, then anyone can. Cause look at the guy. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think it is, it's far too easy to think that it's just that, that, uh, that money shot at the end that matters. Whereas, Actually, there's so much more to it, but I think again, it's one of those things that you only get when you've got that experience with it. But that's and also that's just that's just going up to the point of the product being finished. Yeah, if you're selling a knife for someone, you're hoping they're going to have it for a long time. But I think to Brett, to your point earlier, I think you'd be much more in the short term. You'd be very like concerned about the end user, like who that product is going to. So I make a knife. Mm. I want that to be nice for that person because they've just given me money. Yeah. That shit will wear off. Like a year down the line, you're not going to be going, oh, I wonder if he's still got that knife nice and sharp. Do you know what I mean? Unless it's something you really fucking put effort into, yeah. like the ply steel mm. knife, you know, that was like a personal thing. I get that. But, you know, some nails you made, Steve, like I'm pretty sure you're not bothered now about the standard of them. Yeah. Whereas to Brett's point, and I think this, there's a there's a weird dichotomy here. When you make shit for yourself, 
the standards seem to like be lower. I, I'm guilty of it myself. I will just smash something together. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. it works. Yeah. Um, and then there's the there's there's the term like um, workshop furniture. Oh, it's fine. It's just workshop furniture. Yeah. I'll just use OSB because it's workshop furniture. It's yeah. like what? So you mean you don't want it to last? You don't want it to have nice ergonomics. You don't want it to be like um, yeah. uh, easy to clean. You know, so all all the judgment criteria other than it's pretty. Yeah, uh, go out the window just because it's for yourself. And I think it's the self-deprecating side of all of us. But also, yeah. I, th- I think we are fucking massively missing the point. Like, if you're going to live with something for a long time, that should be the thing that you really do put effort into. Because then, yeah. I-, I think the the standards thing is is um, it's like a domino effect. Yeah, it's not like oh, I've, oh, work's finished. I can let go of all my fucking standards now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, if you if you look after that, you're going to look after that. You know, if you clean the outside of your car, you're going to fucking maintenance the engine. It's like yeah. All these things have a knock-on effect. Uh, Steve, cleaning the car is when you um you take off the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Um, I was just going to say though, like that. I think that's the shop furniture one is a really, really good example because there are so many workshops I see where I look at it and go, actually, if that's the standard of the stuff that you use to make things, I'm not sure if yeah. I want one of the things you make. Like, brilliant example is uh, Mark from Deer of Craftsman. His workshop is fucking gorgeous. I love it. I mean, it's in a brilliant location as well. Mm. But like he just made, uh, or he put up a picture the other day of just some drawers and they were like oak fronted drawers and they were just like, he'd taken two or three extra steps just to make sure that these things were mm, really fucking <laughs> nice. And if that guy puts up a fucking a bit of wood that he's just sanded to a nice finish, you'd be like, oh, that's such a nice chopping board just because of the surroundings. And again, yeah. it comes back to, um brett's favorite saying like clean shop happy shop like having that nice work environment means that actually you yeah you know, you're it, like i said it, it pushes those standards up if you're if you're um working in a in a kitchen if you're working in a commercial kitchen and all of the stuff is 300 fucking years old it's like the the gas hob has got a inch thick layer of black sludge around the rings and you know the fucking trays are dripping with fat and grease is everywhere and oh paint me a picture steve like you're not gonna want to cook a really nice meal in there whereas if you also all that shit's not gonna work properly yeah exactly you know the 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 fucking holes in the the gas hob are gonna get bunged up and it's not gonna get as hot and you, you you're not gonna conduct heat and the fan's not gonna work properly so like yeah even just functionally yeah, it's like cleaning out the clunker out of your forge. Like, if you don't do it, you're gonna, you're not gonna make good welds. Like, that was one of the things that uh, that I see so often on the fucking blacksmithing for beginners page is people taking photos of their forge and it's full of clinker and shit, and they're going, "Why is my forge weld working?" Because <laughs> you're a fucking animal. That's why. And um, and yeah, I, I think that I really like the idea that actually the standards should start right at the the very base level they should start with with your surroundings and yeah. kind of go up from there but i don't think that really answers my question of when do you like at what point do you set your standards and go right it needs to be this and well it's the, it's the simple things you you, you you nailed it steve when anyone ever said uh, fucking food analogy obviously when anyone ever <laughs> says to me like oh, how do you how do you know how to cook you know it's just like sharp knife yeah 
like it like fundamentally understanding that that will help you it will make life easier it will make prep easier it will make things cut well and have nicer form and hold their flavor like when i tr- i had to explain to like one of my bosses that cutting an onion in a certain way makes it taste different mm. she didn't understand what i was talking about and like the cell structure of fruit and vegetables and yeah. having something sharp completely changes the way something that was once alive tastes because of how you break down the membranes and stuff. Yeah. And it, and it, it, it sounds like a simple thing, but it translates to the workshop. You have a little sharp scribing knife, have a strop and you just keep it sharp. Every time you yeah. use it, two strokes on the bit of leather takes no effort at all. But every time you go back, like when, um, Seaside Rick came to visit and he was doing the really cool uh, router classes. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, Make it, make it happen roadshow. Um, he, he, like, he picked up the hand plane that I had on the wall that I'd used for that sign I made for Izzy years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just like, is this going to be sharp? And I was kind of like, yeah, sharp enough. <laughs> and like, it was part shame, but part the penny dropping for me. Since yeah. that day, I always sharpen that 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 plane, whether yeah. I'm using it or not, because I want to pick it up and it's ready to go. Yeah. So like workflow is not disrupted. You know, I'm not having to stop what I'm doing, get fucking sharpening kit out in the middle of a glue up, because my yeah. boards just need a, a bit of the edge taken off them. So like, just having those standards massively changes everything. It's like a but- butterfly effect. Like everything has a knock on effect now because my standards are slightly higher. On something as simple as keeping a, bla- a plain blade sharp. Yeah, I I think there's something really important that I at least try to adhere to. I'd love to see more people in the same line of reasoning where quality starts from the beginning, but that end product isn't even really the end most mm. of the time. It, we had the discussion about like packaging or what does it mean to send out one of these pieces that you put your heart and soul into handmade product X <laughs> and then chuck it in a post box and just be like, right, there you go. Most of us wouldn't do that. You know, you take time to figure out how you want to wrap it or do you write a little thank you card just for being like, thank you for supporting me. The The idea that you can go start to finish from the tools that start the project, the product itself and then the actual delivery so that like the entire experience, the more you appreciate the entire experience of maintaining that quality control, I think that not only the better you will get at it in the future, but I think you will start to appreciate your own work. Yeah. Because even to go back to what Steve was talking about at the beginning, if you're not necessarily a hundred percent confident in the product that you produce because you just want to get better at it, there are things that you can do that aren't, you're not lying about the product that you're sending out, but you're giving inherent value to the thing or perceived value to the thing by saying, look, I'm getting better at this knife that I made, but I made a leather sheath for it and then packaged it really nice. So that Hmm. it's a bit of an experience. Like you bought a handmade product. I did it to the best of my abilities. And by the time you accept it, you'll at least feel good about what you paid for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he said yourself, you yourself will realize that, you know, oh, where I really failed was not the product because I wasn't happy with it. Where I really failed was like, 
giving myself too much shit because by the time I sent that out the door, I felt like a like a, a retailer. I felt like yeah. I made a product and mm -hmm. it had its own packaging and all, all of that stuff can help bolster the confidence. Yeah. I yeah. I I was just going to say like I think for for me it's I I completely get and 100% agree with what you're saying, but I also think like for me it's not just about <laughs> But you're tacky uh, and I hate you. <laughs> but like it, it's not just about um uh having the self confidence. It's it's knowing that actually that is you know that product is subpar for whatever reason you know like i don't know like i that one was overground and i fucked the heat treat on the tip because i did that or you know this one i dropped it and the end snapped off or whatever like i think that that's more kind of what i was thinking rather than the um uh like the imposter syndrome yeah yeah um, but but i 100 percent agree with what you're saying like actually putting that extra effort in into the packaging into all of that makes a huge huge difference and i think for people that are just worried like you say with where it's like oh i'm not sure if this is good enough like doing that extra going that extra mile makes it worthwhile because even if the product isn't as as perfect as you would like like the let me say the person on the on the end the um the customer is going to appreciate that extra effort that you put in so i mean i i, I... I think I've used the box that the maker knife came in yeah. more than I've used the maker knife. It's <laughs> <laughs> just opening and experiencing it. And I, yeah. literally the fucking bottle openers are my keys, you know, that yeah. Jacko put in the box because he understood the running joke of it. You know, it's not a bottle opener. Um, well, Al, how many times have you heard of or experienced a restaurant that has garbage food, but man, is it plated well? Yeah. And so it yeah. almost, Almost for a moment offsets how shitty the yeah. food is that's overpriced. Yeah. Or yeah. like, but it, or it's the great, other way around. The, the, yeah, it's great. Or the 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 service is bad. Or the drink the drinks menu is shit. Yeah. It's like what where it, we've talked about priorities, you know, till the cows come home. But um, you know, for instance, like some like someone coming up with a really great idea for a t shirt design, like did all the hard work, super creative, unique lovely maybe drew it themselves or had it commissioned and then just thinking that that's where it ends and you can just just get any yeah. old fucking shit to make a t-shirt yeah and it kind of detracts from the whole effort that you put in like you yeah. you, you you went to the effort of, of, of doing that but you, your standards and suddenly dropped when it came to production yeah and so you, went for, you went you went for the lowest the way through you went for the lowest common denominator because Maybe with the good, the best intentions. Maybe it was that you didn't want to charge people too much. Yeah, you know. So, so you went for you went for a cheap option. Yeah. No, whereas, actually, whereas actually, when you balance it out, priorities might be longevity versus cost, or you know, comfort. You know, people talk about, oh my god, Ellen's t-shirt is so soft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's because she, she, well, obviously she's a seamstress, so she yeah. understands the importance of it. So her priorities were different. Um, and I think that's a just as important as standards as priorities. Yeah, and I, like I say, I think it, it's remembering to to maintain that standard throughout everything. And like yeah. I say, you, you're not always going to be able to afford the the best of the best, or you might have like um, uh, price issues or whatever. Like I mean, going back to what you were saying about um, having that plane nice and sharp, like that doesn't mean that you have to go out and buy a Lee Nelson plane. 
you can have a, a shitty, you know, 15 quid Stanley one, but just maintain it. Like it doesn't have to be the best of the best. It just means that you, you take pride in what you have. So whether it's like, I mean, the, the first uh, of the slides, I sharpened on a one by 30, um, like one of those little tiny grinders. That was perfectly good enough. We've got a two by 72 in the workshop, but I don't need to use it. I've, you know, I, I was using the, the one that I have. Um, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think, so you kind of, it's it's doing the best with what you have and maintaining that, um, that or trying to maintain the highest standard possible throughout the entire process. So not not making a really nice cocktail and then serving it in a Dixie cup or <laughs> like chips on a shovel. Yeah. Like, unless you're in uh, Shoreditch um, <laughs> or like making a really, really nice product and then getting Tim from Turdworks to deliver it. Like it, it's even down to those little final bits at the end all matter. Um, Cause every stage of, of a product or a, um, or whatever it's, it's all got to be spiffing. S-B-A, SPA. Cool. Uh, That means that I am first. Um, (laughs) So one of the things that obviously has improved dramatically uh, over the last year or so, well, I'd like to think it is anyway, and I don't think it's too big-headed to say so, is my video production quality. Like, Mm. looking looking at... (laughs) <laughs> so you're saying that my old videos were shit? Jesus, man. No, I'm saying they've just gotten <laughs> yeah. better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, if you compare the the early videos on the Moonshine channel to the stuff that we're doing on the Forge channel now, like, there's, even though the equipment is exactly the same, the difference is quite large. Um, the amount of care? Well, yeah. And and also like it, it's just uh, having a better understanding of the equipment that I have got and how best to use it, mm-hmm. um, how to make the most with of with what I've got, um, and kind of uh, yes, it might not be the best camera in the world, but still trying to get those shots and figuring out ways to to do that. Um, and obviously, I've I've talked about it before uh, about the fact that I've started watching or had started watching a lot of. Um, youtube videos of different people uh doing camera gear reviews and and stuff like that talking about different uh camera stuff um uh i spiffed a guy a little while back dave something or other um but there is someone on youtube who i mean he's a nearly (laughs) nine hundred thousand subs uh and i still think it's too few um and it's a guy called kai w so k-a-i-w um and he he just does really good reviews but like he did one uh the other day for a nine millimeter lens that's not a fisheye lens um so it's yeah it's the trippiest lens ever Uh, it's it's, when you go to that short a focal length obviously there are there are issues that are inherent with it but it was a really really interesting video and it was shot in a really fun, interesting way. Like it's, it's a really boring subject. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, interesting if you're interested in it. But if you're kind of casual to it, it's 
it's a bit daunting and a bit bleh. Um, but he, like his videos, uh, they're informative. They talk about things properly, but they're also really good fun. Like this one, he, uh, to, to show off the, um, uh, like the difference between two lenses, he's sat on his balcony, like legs akimbo in this really like, draw me like one of your French girls poses, poses. <laughs> um, just com- for no fucking reason other than because he can. Um, and yeah, it's just like, it was enough comedy, but with enough um, actual informative stuff in it. So yeah, Kai W is spiffing. Go check him out if you're at all interested in the camera gear. Very nice. Uh, B, which means Breck is next. Yeah, so I was just recently introduced to this gentleman. Um, he has a YouTube channel, but I'm going to point everybody in the direction of his Instagram because I think it's super digestible. Um, his name is Sean Simon. He's a Kiwi. And man, does he carve some wood. Um, it's not necessarily something that I'm I'm planning on getting into, but it's one of those crafts that I super appreciate because it's just it's either hand tools or rotary tools, Dremels, all that lot. Um, he does a lot of Pokemon and cutesy little creatures, and when I first was introduced to him, um, I was like, "Oh, neat! He does these little wood carvings and paints them up, and and they're cute." But it turns out any tails or uh, think of how Bulbasaur's little flower goes onto his back, you know, it, it's all doweled. Like he makes the dowels and constructs the things and I'll have photos like process photos where it shows the construction with the doweling. And he also will do glue ups so that he <laughs> ends up with two different colors of wood because I thought, although they were all going to be painted at first, it turns out he actually does a lot of like two-tone or, or three different colored woods to achieve. Um, there's an arcanine. Anybody that knows Pokemon, I hope you understand what I'm talking about. But there's this <laughs> big, big fiery dog that has a white mane, an orange body, and black stripes. And he used three different colors of wood to achieve that and did the glue-ups and then carved it. And it's nice. brilliant. So working small is obviously difficult. I have an appreciation for the the content and the themes that he runs around with. Uh, yeah. If you want to look at his Snorlax, <laughs> I think it might be one of my favorite because it's just a big, big <laughs> chub. his Instagram handle? His Instagram handle is Simon Woodcarving. Simon spelled S-Y-M-A-N Woodcarving. Yeah. All one word. He's got 20,000, 22,000 followers. So people clearly know who he is um but i had never heard of him and then i ended up following him and then he followed me back and then we chatted for a little bit and he's a super nice guy (laughs) and he was like very appreciative that i followed him and liked his stuff (laughs) he's a great guy he's just he just makes cute little adorable things but in a very artisan way or very like high high level craft way nice yeah so go check him out. Je prove. Yeah. Flareon. Yeah, right. right. Damn. Yeah, I'm just looking at his uh, <laughs> stuff now. Some very cool things on there. So maybe really well uh, done Pokemon out of wood. <laughs> <laughs> More like Pokemon. 
Ooh. Oh, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> Al, what about you? So, last week's Steve Spiff, Stiff, was um, <laughs> uh, something hard to pronounce. Um, come on, Steve. Uh, something about a kilogram. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, ver- ver- veritasium. Veritasium. So, having instantly, because I actually listen when you two spiff people, um, went to watch <laughs> that brick. That was aimed at Steve. Went to watch the um, that video, Steve, and that sent me down a massive rabbit hole of like physics and maths. Um, yeah. Mainly because I've just started a project that requires a lot of both, um, and. I ended up going via lots of like Tom Scott and you I know classic classic like YouTube kind of problem solving and even yeah. like Ca- Captain Disillusion and it was all this kind of like debunking and myth and stuff. Um and I just I just ended up back at number file. Um so if you don't know number file, it just really simply just kind of breaks down the principles of numbers, whether it's prime numbers or talking about pi or counting in base twelve versus base ten and you know, um I think I think the video that got me onto it actually was um, the Simpsons counting in base eight because they they only have <laughs> they only have eight fingers and it totally makes sense. And actually, yeah. a lot of the Simpsons writers are massive uh, mathematics geeks, and yeah. they hide they hide loads of like hidden numbers and stuff in it. Yeah, because they Apart- did that in uh, Futurama a lot as well. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, same team, um, and the and, and they were trying to say, well, wh- why do why are so many things in The Simpsons base 10? You know, why is everything decimal in The Simpsons? And the reason is because God in The Simpsons does have five fingers. Yeah. So it was like they the, the thought it all through, and it's like they've even got a rationale <laughs> behind that. But, yeah, number file, it's great. But what's nice on number file is they have lots of different guests on every 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 episode. Yeah. So you'll have, like, Professor Brian Cox talking about certain types of numbers, or you'll have Tom Scott coming on and talking about... Um, pie or things like that it's just super interesting yeah. it's really geeky and nerdy um yeah but it's just like kind of background ah that's interesting i like numbers yeah. and like just looking down through like the the videos go from like five minutes up to there's a couple that are nearly 20 minutes long but they're oh, in yeah. that nice nice happy kind of under 20 minutes over two minutes so they're they're interesting and and that they, yeah there's some really good looking ones on it I suggest then, I suggest if you want to give it a go, the one with Tom Scott where he's talking about uh fifty-eight and other confusing numbers. Um <laughs> and I think it's I think it's Norwegian. Or yeah. it might be it might be Danish. Obviously, as we all know, they're all the same thing. Um, <laughs> but basically the number fifty-eight is just ridiculous. You have to say like it it makes French ways of numbering things seem like easy yeah. and and instinctive um <laughs> so just watch it it's funny awesome uh yeah and um, to be fair the the first one that comes up when you open the channel is uh the golden ratio uh why is it so irrational and that <laughs> just instantly is like oh i want to watch that now mm. um yeah no good shout uh that's all three of us isn't it yes uh any other business um go back in time and on Saturday morning, watch Nat's What I Reckon live at the 
online version of Download Festival, doing a, <laughs> doing a, a heavy metal cook-off, uh, because I didn't, and I missed it, so I'm good. Oh, that sounds so good. Uh, oh, Brett. yeah. Oh, yeah. But Steve's doing it. Oh uh, uh, No, I was just going to say, Brett, have you got anything? Uh, no, I'm going to leave it to you. Oh yes, uh, yeah, that thing. That, I I <laughs> yes. haven't forgot about that. Uh, give me, Please give me a sec. I'm just gonna quickly bring that up so I can get the details right. But whilst I do, uh, why don't you all go and check out Broad Oak Coffee because Sean is lovely and the coffee is delicious. <laughs> and that, if my internet was quicker, that would have been long enough. But uh, I, I'm still waiting for the thing to fucking load. <laughs> Don't worry Why? about the man behind the curtain. Yeah. And there we go. Right. Okay, it's here. So, um, I'm not cutting any of that out. By the way, that's, that's fine. Um, yes. Uh, in case you weren't already aware, uh, Brothers Make have got a um, Makers for Justice raffle going on at the moment. They've raised a fair chunk of money so far, but nowhere near enough considering the volume of prizes that they've got going on um if you go and check out their post from uh saturday so yeah saturday when you guys listen to this uh it's got a list of all of the different um prizes on there and um, there's some really nice bits <laughs> on there so i would definitely suggest going and having a quick look although i really want to know what lot 34 is because it looks like a um looks like a disc break from a bike and i'm not quite sure what's going on with that oh i think it's hinges anyway back <laughs> to the the fact that i'm on a podcast uh yeah go go check those guys out um it's for a really good cause it's uh i think it's like five pound per entry uh unlimited tickets um so yeah go check it out see what everyone's given away and give those guys some love and by love i mean money uh because mm-hmm. money is what makes the world go around um yeah right if that's nice. it, uh, nothing else, nothing else, no, no, no? Okay, nope. cool. Uh, if you want to find us, you can find us in all of the usual social media places. You can find me at Moonshine Metalworks. You can find Brett at Skull and Spade 13. And you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. Al's Hack Shack! Tickle Amy. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Uh, if you want to find us as a group, uh, ftptpodcast.com. Uh, the shows are <laughs> pretty much up to date now uh brett's just having a, a moment um yeah we're we're on facebook and stuff as well so if you want to go there go there um yeah that's it i think we love you bye, bye. uh i should probably stop recording yeah why are you wearing a bowling glove <laughs>